Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast, where we talk about the business of hunting and fishing. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Fish on Ted podcast. I hope that your 2019 is going very well and you're booking trips for the upcoming seasons. You know, we're smack dab in the middle of this show season, and I, I think the Denver show uh, 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 completed a couple weeks ago, and the Sacramento ISE show uh, has uh, gone, uh, come and gone. Um, I'm actually going to be flying into Oregon on the uh, 6th of February, planning to attend the Portland Sportsman Show in Portland, Oregon, at the Expo Center there. I guess, from what I understand, that's the second largest sportsman show uh, now in the United States, and and it takes a couple days to cover everything. So anyway, I'm looking forward to uh, walking around and shaking hands and kissing babies, if you may, just seeing people that I've uh, built acquaintances with, clients, and and, uh, getting uh, reacquainted with everyone. My uh, schedule is gonna take me through the Willamette Valley in the month of February. I'm going to be actually uh, working for a client at the uh, Mid Willamette uh, Valley Sportsman Show in the middle of February, and then I'll be uh, attending obviously the Portland Show and possibly even the Redmond, Oregon Show before I head back across the uh, Great Pacific and uh, then uh, plan for a, another trip uh, back to Oregon in the summertime. Anyway, uh, the shows can be extremely profitable for you, and not only in talking to people that are coming by and uh, as uh, um, people just attendees of the show, but also with other vendors. Don't forget to uh, shake hands and, and introduce yourself to those around you and take some time yourself and walk the aisles and get to know some of the other vendors. They can be a tremendous referral source for you and clients, of course. Well, anyway, today we have a a great interview that we did with Cliff Carney out of Colorado. And Cliff is one of the most ambitious guys I've ever met in my life. Um, He has actually three different businesses that are uh, in the outdoor sector in three different little niches. It's really interesting. Uh, Not only is he a guide and outfitter, but he runs a very specialty taxidermist uh, business. And then he uh, has just recently started something called C&D Shipping, which relates back to the outdoor industry. And I think you'll be very impressed with what that business does. And so without stealing any more of Cliff's thunder, here's my interview with Cliff Carney. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. And I want to thank everybody for listening today and downloading the podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to uh, give us a big thumbs up. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, right below on your podcast screen, there's a subscribe button, and we appreciate that. You know, today we have a really interesting guy. I've been excited to uh, uh, talk with Cliff, and I think you will be too. He is quite the outdoorsman. And he's actually quite the entrepreneur in that he's running three different businesses all uh, associated with the outdoor industry. He runs a guide and outfitting business called Carney Guide Service that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, He also runs a taxidermy business called Non-Typical Taxidermy. And uh, not to be outdone, the third one 
is a company called CND Shipping. And I think you'll be very interested in hearing about that. And so anyway, Cliff lives in Eckert, Colorado. I think he's on the line with us. He uh, is married uh, to his wife, Dusty, and they have three ch children, two daughters, one who, who is a track star and the other is an accomplished artist. And then his son, Colby, who's seven years old. And I've talked to him a number of times and he sounds like he's 30. It's amazing. So I, uh, I would consider him a child prodigy. But anyway, Cliff, are you with us? Yeah, thanks for having us on this morning, Ted, and, and thanks for that bit of background and and uh, mentioning the kids there. Sure, proud of them. Um, and that's kind of what I do all this for is is my family. Oh, amen. That that's fantastic. You you you've always seemed like a family guy, as we've uh, you know talked about, and and uh, you uh, you you carve out time for your kids, whether it's going to track events. I remember that you've had to schedule things around those or uh, in the summertime you're taking Colby fishing at some lake near nearby and and uh, I mean that's really cool that you fit all of that in because like you said I mean that's what we all work for isn't it? That's exactly right at the end of the day what's it all worth if if we can't uh, can't spend time with our kids and and that's what we do it all for so so I wouldn't change that that that's my number one priority second to like you said all the other irons I have in the fire. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of irons in the fire, I mean, tell us about your businesses and sort of the progression of, you know, when you added one on top of another to, to form this, this triad of different types of services for people in the, uh, uh, that are interested in hunting or in the outdoor business themselves. Well, you know, I've always been extremely passionate about wildlife and that's where it all started and, and kind of where it all stemmed from. I mean, ever since I could, you know, wrap my mind around it, I've, I've eaten, slept and breathed wildlife. And from a very young age, um, eight, nine, ten years old, I started experimenting with taxidermy on my own. Um, and, and taxidermy and, and hunting in the outdoors, like I say, is where it started. Um, and I dabbled with it over the years and, and just as, you know, my junior, senior year in high school, I, I had, you know, went to work for a local taxidermist. Um, and, uh, you know, from there, you know, like I say, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of stories and details in between, but from there, I, I professionally went into doing taxidermy full time for, for taxidermist and spawned off of there and went and did my own thing. Um, you know, had my own business for, for a little over 13 years now um but you know you, you talk about all these different businesses and, and when one spawned off another right so after i i worked for a taxidermist full-time i he kind of got slow and that was when i i went you know all on my own but i didn't have enough work on my own to 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 pay my bills so i thought well you know, I, I will start my own outfitting business since I love to hunt so much. And I, I figured that business, that, that business, excuse me, would, would feed my taxidermy business. Um, and it did. Uh, but then quickly I started realizing that, that they both kind of started growing a little more rapidly uh, with the name we were making for ourselves um, than I could keep up with. And um, we, we then, you know, did like everybody has to do if you want to stay alive, started hiring help and sure. And growing, and, and there again, like I say, we could talk days about all the steps and the trials and tribulations, but uh, that'll be for another time. Um, and so we, we've uh, acquired clients from around the world, not only hunting clients, but taxidermy clients. Um, 
And one thing, you know, after they come on a hunt with us and they, they leave their taxidermy with us, um, we, we found there was kind of our weakest link was, was the last one, and that was the shipping. And, and we had some very bad experiences with different companies we used from, from small private companies to big commercial companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a direct reflection back on us, even though we had done all the things prior to that uh, well. Right. Um, so, and we understand what these trophies mean to people. I know what they mean to me. So we have chosen now not, not to let them out of our hands from, from the time we receive your trophy, whatever it may be. Um, it does not leave our hands and, until we bring it right to your doorstep. Um, and it's our name and reputation all the way, all the way back to you. And we have found that, uh, it's, it's really, really been working well. And there's a lot of hunters and outfitters because there again, we understand the reflection back on the outfitter, what it's like. So, um, right. it, we really feel like it's going in the right direction for us. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize, you know, in, in the times that we've talked before that, um, you started as a taxidermist and then went into guiding and outfitting. I thought that was reversed. That's, that's really interesting. Now, but, and especially uh, bringing out the point that, that you hunt with hounds and primarily hunt predators, do you not? Um, we've, we've kind of uh, restructured our business a little bit, and um, that's always been one of my, my biggest passions. And so, yes, Ted, now primarily we are, we are specializing in, in mountain lion hunting pretty much exclusively. Wow. So, I mean, hound hunting is, is a real art in itself. And I mean, if, if I was to, to draw out this uh, outline of all of the different responsibilities that you have, I mean, taking care of your dogs is a huge one and training them and just the time it takes. I don't know how you fit all that in, but am I, but am I right? Is that, you know, that there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into, you know, working with the dogs, even on the off season? Yeah, you're right, Ted, and, and anybody out there that knows whether you just got a little family dog that, that sits on the couch with you or, or you have hunting dogs or working dogs, um, they are like family. And, uh, you know, some people have a misconception that, that they're just tied up and, you know, you just use them when you need them. And, and no, it's it's just as you said. I mean, there's an immense amount of effort that goes into them every single day. I mean, I get out of bed and I go check on my dogs in the kennel, uh-huh. uh, make sure they're taken care of. Um, like you said, in between hunts or on the off season, they have to have exercise, um, and, uh, it takes a while to wear them out. So, um, there's always something, you know, in the winter, you gotta, you gotta make sure they have unfrozen water all day, every day. And yeah, um, just an immense amount of things to, to take care of a pack of dogs because I mean, they are your best employees too. And, and their really? health is, uh, definitely affects your overall business at times. <laughs> How did you get into hound hunting of all things? Were you, were you doing that as a kid too? You know, I, not as a kid, I, I hunted everything else with the exception of, of hound hunting as, as a kid. Um, once I got older, I, I had, before I started my hunting outfit, um, I, I had worked for an outfitter, a full-time outfitter and I guided elk and deer hunts right. and in, in the winter I guided lion hunts. And, and that was really where, um, I had the hound hunting and the tracking, um, instilled into me and um, that's that's kind of where it started and then you know once I branched off on my own I I uh, I didn't want to put that down so so I kept it going right how many how many lions do you hunt per year Cliff 
Uh, it just depends on the year. You know, we have a quota system, but, you know, anywhere is between um, 10 and 20 hunts a year. Wow. Wow, that's quite an obligation. And, and how long is a hunt? Is it usually, what, three or five days, something like that? Yeah. Typically, we're, we're five days. Um, we typically start hunting on a Monday and go through a Friday. Um, uh -huh. But like I tell anybody that looks to book with us, um, I want you to be successful more than you want to be successful. That, that does a lot for me. And, right. and uh, you know, like I say, I have these other businesses that it may benefit. So that's, that's more of my motivation to, to be successful. But at any rate, I understand it's a lot of money and guys come a long ways. And, and uh, you know, if we're close the fifth day, I don't just say, sorry, your hunt's over. You know, right. it always gives you give you an option to extend a day or two, um, sure. and, and really try to focus on success. Yeah. And sometimes, right, the, you get surprised, and you and you and you uh, and and you fill your the, the the tag the first day, don't you? Yeah, we we can always hope for that as outfitters. You know, we all we all know what it's like to be successful quickly. It's it's great for the client and and us yeah. and everything. And and yeah, this last week we were fortunate enough to be done by 10 o'clock on the first day but I would never ever sell that to anybody because it can it can always be on the opposite end of the spectrum as well right right so when when you're running dogs I mean are you are you are you looking for tracks first uh, before you let the dogs out or how does that work with you know a, a little of both so uh, on our winter hunts primarily we can be more efficient by driving roads via trucks uh, ATVs snowmobiles and we can cover so much more ground. We can be more selective on the size once we do find a track. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, so yes, we're looking for a track uh, in the in the springtime, uh, March and April. Um, we we offer dry ground lion hunts, and the the days are longer and much warmer, and and there's typically no snow. And so we'll do the same thing then, um, but oftentimes um, we make free cast the dogs and we may park a, a truck or an AV, ATV at the top of a mountain or a drainage and one at the bottom and we will walk for the entire day um, and let the dogs try to strike a track in an area where you know we know there's a lion or or typically mm -hmm. in the past we've found, found lions. Really wow you know I, I I don't know if I consider myself the the outdoorsman that you are I mean I I can't even put myself into that category but uh, growing up, I spent a lot of time out in the woods, and and as a younger guy, also, um, we, uh, we we hunted around Western Oregon, and there were in, in all the days that I spent in the woods, I've only seen two mountain lions, and uh, we just you know sort of came across them, and then they they would disappear like a ghost, you know, and so I I can't imagine anybody hunting mountain lions without dogs. You know, there's some guys that get it done, uh, Ted, but like you said, they're a very mysterious ghost-like creature. Um, mm -hmm. Same thing, I've spent an, an immense amount of hours um, outdoors, and I've only been fortunate enough to see to see three uh, without wow. the use of hounds. But, but some guys are successful with, with predator calling. Um, typically, you, you know, you get an adolescent or an, or an old one that's having a hard time making a living respond yeah. to that um, because... It's a fun game for them to catch and kill. Uh, they typically don't like to scavenge, or, or but but they will. You know, they, they are a predator, and they'll do whatever means necessary. But, yeah, there there are a few ways where guys have been successful without dogs. But overall, consistently, um, you, you have to use the use of hounds. Yes, absolutely. So when, when did you start uh, 
of then mounting the lions? Was it before you started hunting them or was it after you started? It was before. Um, you know, I, I was doing taxidermy just out of high school, as I said, um, professionally. And, uh, you know, that was when I started uh, to get my hands on them and start working with them. Um, and the, the passion and the desire for those big cats has, has just grown since then. Oh, that's, that's amazing. And, and it's my understanding that um, mounting a mountain lion is a whole lot different than like mounting a shoulder mount elk or something, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, any predator really um, is difficult, uh, but but for the like the lions, you say there is a huge difference. And and if you really get down to brass tacks, when you're looking at an elk or deer or something with antlers on the wall, your eyes are kind of attracted to the antlers. You you, you most people, unless they have a trained eye, don't focus in on the detail of the actual taxidermy. But That's now you true. switch gears to a, switch gears to a predator. There's no antlers. It, it is almost all in the, the posture of the animal and, and specifically the face and the eyes. And it, it is, um, like, again, the most difficult thing to make look correct um, in all of taxidermy, hands down. Uh-huh. Wow. I, you know, I've never thought about that, but you're exactly right. I mean, you're always looking at the rack and trying to figure out you know what what it, what it scores and and just how yep. you know how big it is and that sort of thing and you don't give a whole lot of attention you know to the rest of the animal but on on a mountain lion yeah i mean you're looking at his eyes you're looking at the fangs how the mouth is set and and the position of the animal i i guess you could yeah i guess you could screw one of those up pretty easy couldn't you it, it just a couple little minute um offsets to it and and there's something that looks funny about it yeah you're right yeah. Yeah, I uh, I was at a uh, auction one time, and somebody had brought in a mountain lion mount, and the guy that I was with had uh, had had a few too many beers, <laughs> he decided he needed to take that thing home. So I think he I think he got the darn thing for like eight hundred bucks, and it was just this raggedy old cat, you know, and it and it kind of had this goofy looking you know cross eyed to it. And I'm going, holy smokes! <laughs> you know, where are you going to where are you going to put that? <laughs> and, and unfortunately, his wife had the same opinion. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> but uh, uh, well, well, tell us more about about C and D shipping and uh, how that sort of plays into your model, um, because you you not only ship your own taxidermy, but you offer services to other taxidermists. And, and I thought what was really interesting is you also specialize in, in shipping the meat. Correct. Um, yeah, we, we just understand, you know, being, again, um, being outfitters, being hunters ourselves, being taxidermists, we understand the care uh, that, that these trophies need, need, to, need to have. And also what these trophies mean to us hunters. I mean, we travel the world far and wide um to to get, get these trophies and so we know better than anybody what it means um to take care of them and get them where they're going safely and some of them are 100 percent irreplaceable um right. so that you know we we really really keep that um you know in the, in the back of our minds on on how things need to be done and the customer service that, that needs to go along with it mm -hmm. um, so so yeah again like i say we 
we um, we do that, and it does not get let out of our hands. It's not just a third-party company where if something happens, we say, you know, who knows, call customer service. I mean, it is it us, you know, in the hot seat, if you will, um, all the way to you. And we like that. We we take pride in that. And uh, our, our hunters and, as you said, other taxidermists all over the lower 48 um, are really, really appreciating um, that. You know, at first when I started this, I thought we might be, somewhat shooting ourselves in the foot because we were an outfitter and we were a taxidermist and we thought well maybe maybe some of our tax uh, you know other taxidermists might might think we might try to solicit their work or something which we would never do that we can't do all the work and and ultimately we want their business to do good so that business can do good and we've found that taxidermists really like that in us because in shipping things are going to happen you know and there there may be damage at some point and with us having a taxidermy background, rather than us having to ship that mount back to that taxidermist so he can repair it and then back to the client, um, we can take care of the repair because we want our taxidermist client to be happy and we want our shipping client to be happy. And mm -hmm. We don't want a riff in the middle. And so we've really come to find that's, that's actually been a, a selling point for us. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing, man. And, you know, they're, they're, I've seen others advertise that they do you know, taxidermy uh, shipping out there. But in my experience, it's just some guy that rents a rider truck every once in a while and throws the mounts in the back and, and you know, they get the job done. But gosh, you know, um, the, the, you're, you're taking a great, um, a great chance that you're going to get some damage that way. I mean, you have special procedures and everything, don't you? And how the, the, uh, the mounts go in the back of your special trailers and everything. Yeah, we we do have a lot of a lot of special procedures um, that that we use, and yeah, we really try to again take pride in what we do. We have a fleet um, of of new uh, diesel um, pickups, some being GMC, some being Duramax, some being Power Strokes, um, and and we pull for those of you that don't know, it's uh, anywhere between a ten and a, a thirty foot enclosed trailer, depending on the direction we're going and how much work we have. We can get in and out of neighborhoods with with trucks like that, um, and so yeah, we uh, we really take pride all the way from start to finish. We try to have our drivers uh, all very very personable guys. Um, try to have a, a dress code. You know, we don't want some guy getting out in front of your house and your wife and kids being scared by by the way the driver looks. We we really try to you know be professional all the way across the board and. Yeah. Um, and, and just and again, we're going to some of the biggest clients' houses in the in the country, if not the world, and so that's where I feel that that we need to have the highest standard we can. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, I think it it it's what helps lead to our success. Well, you have the ability to not only transport individual mounts, but I mean, you can you can transport almost entire um, uh, trophy rooms, can't you? And we, yes, we have done that. We've had guys moving and, and there again, you don't want, you know, a, a moving company, you know, they specialize in moving boxes and, and couches. Um, there is a specialty in taxidermy. So we've been asked to move entire trophy rooms, whether it be from one state to the next or, or across the country. Um, and then as well, we, we've kind of found a niche. A lot of guys go into these big sportsman shows and, and they may have a whole right. display of things. And, and they don't have time to, uh, you know, they got to mess with their booth and, and all their everything. Um, mm -hmm. So we're there to, to deliver and pick up from, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, the, the Safari Club in Reno. So 
Oh, really? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, and, and I guess that brings up a question back sort of the taxidermy. You not only do animals, uh, a big game in North America, but, but do, you, do you handle some of the exotics from other parts of the world? We do. We do. We, we often get sent, you know, whole safaris from, from Africa, um, you know, or, or some of the exotic sheep, um, you know, Marco Polos and Argolis and things of that nature. Um, yeah. And that's growing more and more. That's a really hard part of the industry to really get into because they are so prized and, and expensive. And, and so it's taken us some time to kind of break into that. Um, mm -hmm. But, but yeah, we're, we're doing more and more. Um, and, uh, and uh, it, that, that's exciting. You know, it's not the same old, same old. So it's a lot of fun for us here at the shop. Oh, absolutely. So what, what was the most difficult mount you've ever done? The, the most difficult mount I've ever done, it wasn't necessarily something exotic, um, but it's just anytime, you know, you can mount a single animal and that's fine because it has its own attitude and, and it can be taken however you want. But this last year, we, we had a client that was lucky enough to harvest two mountain lions in two different states and he wasn't sure what he wanted to do with them. So I uh asked if he would be interested in a in a, a fighting scene right. and um he he had another deer that he mentioned this originally didn't plan on having it um acquired into the the lion mount but he had a deer that he had taken in new mexico a nice mule deer and so you know i started getting this vision of having these two tom lions you know fighting or getting ready to engage in a fight and you know, I thought, man, that would be cool if we, we posed that deer as being, you know, dead like a lion kill. Um, sure. Those two Tom were fighting over it, and we did just that. And um, we uh, we used that as a competition piece this last year in the Colorado State Taxidermy Competition. Um, and we're fortunate enough to win a Artisan's Best of Show with that. But anyway, back to wow. back to the, the difficulty of the mount. Um, it, you can mount one, like like I said, one, and it's doing its own thing. But when you have to engage two, and they're directly engaged in one another, it, it, it was more work than I had ever put into any one single piece, for sure. And and so I would say that was the most difficult to make it actually flow and, and look correctly. There was an, an immense amount of alteration to those forms oh. over over months. I'll bet. Now, now it, it's just not you in the shop that's doing this, is it? I mean, you you have a, a fairly sizable uh, group of people that help you in the taxidermy and and the shipping side. We do, we do. We we've um, we got you know two secretaries in the office at any time uh, to take phone calls and answer emails. People wanting updates on their mounts or you know all, all the stuff that goes with the office work, and that allows us to not lose production in the shop. Mm -hmm. And in the shop, I have another uh, full-time taxidermist. Um, he's actually family of mine, um, young guy, and he's just got a huge desire for it. And he really has the talent that I'm seeing. Um, and then we also have another another young man in there. Uh, same thing. This is what he thinks he wants to do. And you know, he's, he's just taken off like a rocket and, and shown a lot of initiative. So that, that really helps with, with the production end of things and, and keeping our turnaround um, you know, down because because ultimately people they want their trophies, they want to see their stuff. So yeah, we have it's not all just me. We we have a a great team not only in the taxidermy um, but the shipping as well. Right, 
and and Dusty, your wife is also involved in the business, is she not? Uh, yeah, I would. I, I think it's safe to say she does more than uh, any three or four of us put together. <laughs> she <laughs> she she really really is uh, kind of the glue that holds it all together. And uh, you know, I'm not a paperwork guy. I'm a production kind of guy, so I, I get bailed out there oftentimes, and I'm very thankful for that. Sure. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, I, I was just sitting here thinking about our listeners and, and who participates in the uh, podcast and the calls and that sort of thing. And we have, a you know, a myriad of different types of people that listen, uh, Cliff, you know, from people that just enjoy going out and, and hunting and fishing in the outdoors to those like yourself that are professionals in it. And I know that we have uh, quite a few uh, um, outfitters and guides that listen in. And do you have any tips for those outfitters and guides when they, you know, help a client harvest an animal uh, to, to field prepare it, you know, for the taxidermy so it comes out as good as it possibly can? Yeah, you know, I, w I would say it's just like building a house. I mean, to get a good quality end product, you know, it starts at the foundation of it all. And, and oftentimes that's with, you know, starts with choosing the right outfitter. But in the event you're successful, you know, I think it's important, uh, depending on the species you're hunting um, and, and the type of mount that your client is is prospectively thinking of getting, um, I think the best thing to do is just visit with the taxidermist that you use um, for what you're doing because there's, there's so many different ways. For instance, you know, if you take a life-size lion or a bear, um, things of that nature, they're skinned differently uh, or can be if it's going to be a life-size or a rug. Um, so, so there's a lot of different techniques, um, that can be used for, di you know, different mounts. So you kind of need to establish what they're after before you take the knife to it. Um, right. and then, and then after that, for the taxidermist, just, you know, everybody does things a little different. Just make sure you have a super, super sharp knife. Um, that way it's nice, clean cuts. That makes that seam work for the taxidermist much easier and your client will get a much better product at the end of the day. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, um, keep it clean and uh, keep it cool. Try to keep the blood out of the hair and the mud out of the hair. And, and that can all be cleaned later. But, but the more, the more uh, precautionary steps you take in the beginning is, is, is ultimately going to result to a, a much better product in the end. Sure. Sure. Well, that, well, that makes sense. Now, now just a, a real quick discussion on, on, on the shipping of, of, of meat for people. Um, your trailers, uh, at least you have a couple of them what, that have coolers in them and that sort of thing. And then you have a facility that you can uh, store frozen meat in, um, you know, prior to delivery and, and that sort of thing, as I understand, right? Yeah, just, just a little bit of uh, background on that. You know, we have different processors we work with or different outfitters, again, all over the lower 48. Um, once they have, you know, it's hard for us to drop what we're doing. You know, we're not, not like UPS or FedEx where we can just go pick up one box, but uh, you know, any of you listeners or anybody else, if you're interested in our service, um, if we can come to you and, and be efficient and, and make it worth our while, we will, yes, come pick up um, all of their, their, there may be 20 orders of meat um, or, or whatever it may be. We will pick that up, uh, bring it back to our facility, contact all the clients, route it all in. And yes, we have a, a massive walk-in freezer here where we, we can inventory all the meat and store that. Um, and yes, we have a, a freezer, a freezer trailer, um, where we can then, once we build the route, contact the client, 
um, you know, then load that trailer um, and, and ultimately bring your meat to you completely frozen. Oh, that is awesome. And, and you do service all 48 states, do you not? We do. We, we mm -hmm. do. And um, yeah, like I say, it's, it's uh, definitely been taken off well for us. Very good. In, in regards to, you know, comparison of using you versus, let's just say, a, a commercial shipper out there, are, are the rates roughly the same? From what we're seeing, they're roughly the same. There is times where they, they ultimately can beat us. I mean, they're big, huge companies and they're, they're just like the wind. They're everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. But we feel that it is more custom with us. We understand what you went through to get it. And um, not to not to say anything bad about those commercial shippers, but what we've experienced, there seems to be more and more anti-hunters working for them, and and that has caused us problems with um, quality and uh, and different things. You know, once somebody finds out what's in that crate or what's in that cooler, uh, we've we've really experienced a lot of problems. Makes sense. Well, and and you and I have talked about that also. I mean. You, uh, although you have all this uh, specialized delivery equipment, uh, you're pretty stealthy out there. You're not advertising um, with great big signs of, uh, you know, uh, of um, non-typical taxidermy or anything on the trailers. That people, you know, you could be moving furniture for what most people, uh, you know, when they look at it, uh, they'd have no idea, would they? No, they wouldn't. And and that is the other thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, we. You know, we would like to advertise while we're out there traveling the country, but, but I just uh, feel that it's best that, that we keep it very discreet. I mean, there's some people that live in neighborhoods that, you know, maybe their neighbor doesn't, doesn't agree with what they're doing, and we can save them a little headache there. Or, you know, if our driver does stop, you know, at a, at a motel for the night, um, you know, there's people, as you know, they're sick about antlers and horns, yep. and I mean, they'll, they'll thieve things. Um, or just, you know, headache, you know, you're at the gas pump and you get the third degree from some, some anti-hunter. It, it just, it seems like, I think it, I think it saves us a lot of grief. You know, we haven't done it the other way, but, but for now, yes, we will, we will plan to keep that very discreet. Very good. Very good. So, so where's life taking you over the, in the next five years? I mean, what, what's the grand plan for what you're doing? You know, just to keep, it's not so much about, about growing and getting so big um, with the taxidermy because it is, um, you know, art and it takes a special kind of producing person to, to do that. So we, we want to keep growing that slowly at the pace that we're at and number one, make sure our quality stays up um, mm -hmm. and we can kind of keep that award-winning status. As for the shipping, um, we are looking to grow that. We're, we're in the process of looking at a, uh, getting a facility um, somewhere centrally on the east side of the Mississippi um, where we can become more efficient uh, with our delivery systems, uh, oh. cut down, cut down our, our delivery routes in, in terms of the length of days so we can provide better employment opportunities. You know, if, if a guy can make sure. a five or seven day run, you know, that's a heck of a lot better than being out there 10 or 12 days. Mm -hmm. um, so, so again, we're looking at adding more trucks to our fleet. Um, and, and again, the big thing is adding a facility, uh, centrally somewhere in the East. Um, and so, so I would say that's probably the biggest goal, um, you know, in the next five years for sure. Uh, wow. And just there again, to keep the quality and the customer service where it is at and not to at all slip on that. Because again, 
we understand how much stress and pressure a meat processor or an outfitter has on their shoulders yeah. dealing with a client not only before the hunt on the hunt but after the hunt when it rolls down to us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very good so so in all this spare time that you have what do you do for fun <laughs> well again back to that you know my hound hunting is is my passion and and uh, you know, I've never I've never taken a lion myself. That's not where it's at for me. I like to see the client smile. So I spend a lot of hours out there with my dogs. You know, at different times. Um, but again, anything with my family. I mean, even if it's just waking up and and uh, having coffee with the wife before we start our day, or you know, there tonight, you, you know, we got a varsity basketball game for our daughter to go to. And in the summer, I am very good about you know knocking off at five or six o'clock in the evening and and taking the little guy down to the lake fishing until dark you know sometimes you know five six nights a week just to make sure he gets that that enjoyment and and it's a good peace of mind for me too um but as far as big fancy vacations and traveling and things you know we're with our young family it's definitely not that we we make the best of what we can right here at home um and uh, that's good enough for us very good well well cliff do you have uh i'm just curious uh, uh do you have uh any sponsors that uh, sponsor you in different um, facets of your business or, or vendors that you'd like to mention out there that uh, help you in, in uh, putting all this together? You know, uh, at, at the time, we don't actually have any specific uh, uh, sponsors or, or vendors, things of that nature. But at the end of the day, for our taxidermy, it, it comes down to, to our outfitters uh, specifically um, because they, they sell all of our services um, before we ever even get a chance to talk to the client. So, so there's a, a slew of, of outfitters out there. And as we, we progress here uh, and, and not to get off topic here, but, but Ted uh, here uh, with marketing for guides has, has specifically built our shipping uh, website and we have a directory on there. And this is the first um, that, that we've learned of, of a directory and how useful it can be. So, um, Ted, kind of to answer your question in a big, long, roundabout way, we're going to start adding our outfitters because they really, really help us be efficient and successful. And so any of the outfitters that we work with um, now and ones in the future, we would like to add to that directory that, that you had built for us. Well, that, that'll help them build their business. And I thank you for the plug. It, 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 I'm a little, uh, little red face. Thank you so much. But it's been a lot of fun working with you and I'm, I'm looking forward to the uh, months and years ahead and, and, and uh, one of these days shaking your hand and uh, uh, go spend some time with you doing something that'd be that'd be a lot of fun well I look forward to it and, and we know in all all types of business and everything there's a lot of people that'll promise this and promise that but um, it's been a pleasure working with you it it, it uh, was just kind of a I don't even remember how we got hooked up, but I, I was willing to just kind of give it a shot. And, and from start to finish, I mean, you delivered absolutely everything you said that you would. And it's just, it's hard to find that. So anybody out there, I, I could certainly recommend that too. Um, and, and there again, it's, it's helped our business become bigger and better in just a very short time. So yeah, we'll keep working at it. And uh, it's just, it's all kind of fun. And, and uh, I enjoy every aspect of my work so that that makes it a lot easier very good so cliff how do people contact you there's a number of ways um for our guide service uh, we have a, a nice website with all of our contact and that is www.carneyhunts 
and that's C A R N E Y H U N T S dot com. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a taxidermy website, and that's carneywildlife.com. And our shipping, and, and any of you guys that want to take a look to see, you know, some of Ted's examples, it's, it's a very new site, and we're, we're still working and tweaking and improving it, but uh, that is uh, www.cndshipping.com. Um, uh, or you can reach out. I have a personal cell phone. Um, and you know, especially any outfitters or anybody that, that wants to talk about tax for me, um, my cell phone is a good number. Um, and that is nine, seven, zero, two, three, four, zero, two, six, two and calls or texts will work on that. But, but again, if you go to those websites, you know, we have different, you know, phone numbers for different businesses. So I won't go through and, and list every one of those here on the podcast. Very, very good. Well, very good. Well, gosh, Cliff, we sure appreciate you carving out a little bit of your time this morning to uh, um, come and visit with us. I mean, it's just it amazes me how much um, stuff you've got going on and how passionate you are for all of it. And, uh, you know, I was, I was sitting there listening to you talking about, you know, locating a, a hub, if you may, east of the Mississippi. You know, that's probably how UPS got started, right? You know, I'm not sure. I haven't researched that. I'm just sitting back thinking what I could do to, to make things a little more efficient or better for myself and my clients. And that's what yeah. I've come up with. But you're probably right, Ted. That's that's probably how it all came about one step at a time. Sure. Gosh, you know, 30 years from now, we're going to be talking and uh, you're going to have, you know, 30,000 trucks on the road and, and uh, delivering all sorts of, of products and mounts and meat. And, uh, uh, you know, you're creating a little empire for yourself. So uh, congratulations, man. Well, thank you, and and that is the goal is is to have like-minded people out there taking care of your your hard-earned meat and trophies, um, and and knowing what it takes to to get them to you safely and and uh, efficiently, and yeah, so that is the goal, and uh, we can uh, we'll be able to attribute that success uh, in thirty years back to to Ted for helping us all get it going in the right direction. Oh my! Well, thank you so much, Cliff. Hey, you have a great year, and uh, we're all. Uh, rooting for you and looking forward to uh, seeing what's next next in your life. Well, thank you for having me on, Ted, and thank you all for listening. And uh, hopefully I'll get to, to make some new relationships with everybody out there. And uh, good luck to each and every one of you in your ventures. And uh, hopefully we'll talk soon. Hey, sounds good. Thanks, Cliff.